How's it going, everyone? You know, the other day I listened to my ad for the uh, really the first time and came to a realization that with the uh, the birds chirping and and the stillness on my back porch, I thought that uh, maybe I should just do an episode on my back porch. And uh, so that's what we're going to do this evening. This week is going to be a a little uh, a little back porch talk. I'm just going to record on my phone like I did for my ad cuz it honestly it sounded better than it does on my my recording stuff for some reason. I think it's the ambiance of my back porch. So, I'm going to light this cigar. I'm going to have a little drink. Uh my Usually at this time of day, I'd be playing with my kid and hanging out with my wife, but the kid has, uh, Alice has strep or something. She's not feeling great, and she fell asleep at five after not napping all day. So I'm letting her and mom sleep, and I'm just sitting out on the back porch, and I'm watching the, uh, I'm watching a front come in, actually, from the south. It looks like it might actually rain. Wouldn't that be nice? But uh, the wind's blowing a little bit more than the last time I posted out here. But uh, maybe it'll still sound good. Uh, if it does or it doesn't, I, I'm going to post it. Because like I said uh, last week, I don't have uh, don't have as much time as I used to. So I'm going to start finding creative ways to uh, to cut episodes. So this will be one of them. And we'll just call this one, I don't know, back Back Porch Thoughts. Because... I've had, you know, I've had a bunch of thoughts this week, and uh, I think the biggest one was uh, kind of over Mother's Day. I was thinking, uh, was thinking about my mom and my dad and my parents, really, and uh, I think that I guess I'll just jump right into my my deep thoughts about parenting. Um, I was kind of I went for a run and I was thinking like why uh what do we get from our parents and why why is the nuclear family the the parent the father mother structure why is it so just impossibly important for the development of decent contributing citizens to to a to a society um this has always seemed kind of common sense to me for really for as long as i have been able to think critically but for some reason it seems to elude a huge section of the population and uh before i get kind of deep into this I guess I want to make it clear that I'm I'm not saying that you are doomed if you don't come from the the perfect little religious family with the white picket fence in the country or in a you know a middle class suburban area. I know a lot of people who've come from difficult home situations that have turned out to be you know, squared away great people in their community. 
And I've known a lot of people who've had all the family in the world and the opportunity, but have turned out just to be awful. But that being said, there's this, there's this undeniable connection between a stable two-parent household that holds stout kind of religious and moral ideas and the success of individuals and communities and, and states and even to the level of like nations. Um, I guess even to the to the level of a whole civilization. Now I could get all into the into the statistics on this, like the statistics of drug use and depression and crime and economic success and divorce rates and all that stuff. But uh, but I'm gonna let you look that up on your own if you uh, if you're interested. What I'm what I what I will say is that anyone that tells you that there's no correlation between the success of an individual and that individual's upbringing in a stable traditional family they're almost always full of crap uh and i guess what i want to what i've been thinking about this week is is why that is the case so my first thought was what do we get from our fathers and our mothers why do we need a father and a mother what are we missing and and seeking that we don't have from a mother and father and a lot of this comes from i read a little bit of carl jung this year and about archetypes and and how there's a a specific archetype for the mother and the father and some other things and this is built off of that it's not exactly young's father and mother archetype but it's kind of my interpretation of them when viewing my own father and mother and the ultimate kind of archetype of the perfect father is a strong and demanding presence in your life he's a sort of judge of your character he's loving but he challenges you to kind of be better he's the head of your household um he's kind of the thought leader of the family he is the the philosopher of the house and there is this there's a fear of the father because the father is the one that holds us to account to the laws of his household. Um, but he's also the one that we run to and hide behind when there is serious trouble. When there's, when there's somebody, you know, at your front door banging on it and you are frightened as a child, it's your father you go stand behind and hide behind. And that is the, that's the archetype of the father. Uh, he's capable in ways of contending with the outside world. He is the one that fights off the wolves that, that come to the door. 
he has, you know, his hands are like rough and calloused and he, uh, he shapes our minds and our, and our rational thinking. And that's kind of my idea of the, the perfect father, uh, archetype. And then the mother, the mother is merciful and kind and thoughtful. She's loving and she's nurturing. The mother is the the warmth of the house, and she turns it into a home. Uh, she, like the father is the head of the household, but the mother is the the one that makes it a home. She is a comforter. She's a healer. She's she's capable in the ways of contending with like the inside world, things that are going on inside your house. Um, and her hands are not, you know, rough and calloused. Her hands are soft and they're tender and they're like, they make you feel better. And where your father shapes your mind, your mother shapes your heart and your soul. She's the teacher. She is the, the teacher of morality and mercy inside the house. And so you, the child, you're shaped by these two people in your youth. And of course, nobody's perfect. And so the father and the mothers that, that I'm talking about, they're never going to live up to or embody the perfect archetype of, of themselves. Uh, but if they are good mothers and fathers, they're going to be doing their best to do that. They're going to be trying to do that. Uh, and they will come to embody those things, even if they're not perfect. When you're young, to you, your parents will be perfect if they are good parents. Uh, so as you grow up, if you are properly, you know, tended by, by the father and the mother, you end up with both of them inside you. Your father shapes your mind and your mother shapes your soul. And, and again, if you don't have two good parents, you run the, the risk that there's a higher possibility that you're going to turn into someone who, who is missing something. If you have two good ones, you're going to understand the harsh realities of the world and you're going to understand the rules and how you have to operate with them. But, but your heart and your, your soul aren't going to be crushed by those realities. It's a balance. But if you don't have that, you, you end up missing something a lot of times. And I see this in myself and I see it in other people. Like when I open my mouth and my father comes out, uh, and those of you who know me, I guarantee you've, you've probably heard this from me and my brother. When we open our mouths, our father comes out. And I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of old enough and wise enough where I can literally feel that when it's happening. And I understand that my father shaped my ideas and my mind and how I view the, the outside world. He's the reason that I understand that money doesn't equal happiness. He's the reason that I can contend with the outside world without kind of being crushed by it. Uh, and then my mother, I can feel like, again, I've gotten old enough where I can feel when 
my mother is having an influence on my decision making when her like thoughtfulness and love influenced me um my mother is the reason I'm I'm always trying to not be selfish even though I fall short there all the time uh my mother is the reason that I try to think of others before myself she is where I get my uh she's where I get my artsy streak this all comes from my mother I mean my mother is the reason that I take pictures of trees and people and horses and sunsets and mountains and she's the reason I see beauty in the world. She's the reason I write. The, re- the reason that I kind of do my art. My mother was an artist. And that has, has kind of come into me as well. But it, it is my writing. It's not drawing. Uh, and she's the reason why I like to teach. Why I like to kind of instruct people. I know, I know that comes from my mother. And I see this in other people too. I see the other people's parents influencing who they are. Um, I can see how that happens, how they live, how they organize their life, and how they how they get those things from their parents. And if you start looking for it, you're going to see it too. You're going to see it in yourself. And you're going to see it in, in other people around you. If you know them and you know their parents, you're going to be able to see it. But uh, what if you're missing out on that? Because uh, make no mistake, if you are missing out on something, it's going to show in, in some way. I'm well aware of how lucky I am compared to a whole hell of a lot of other people when it comes to having the parents in the life I had. Uh, When people say that they're blessed, um, I'm not saying that from like a, I don't know, from a, you know, when people shake your hand in church and and they tell you how blessed they are. I'm not saying it like that. I'm saying it from an actual understanding, like almost a, like I understand that I live a privileged life. And not everyone has that mother and father that I, that I had. And I honestly think that my parents came as close to humanly possible as to being perfect uh, when it came to their, their roles as parents as anybody possibly could. And I'm, not, and I'm not saying that just because I know they probably both listen to the podcast. I, I mean that. Uh, but a lot of people, a lot of kids, they don't have one or the other, or maybe they're even missing both of those things. So what happens if, if that's the case? Well, you can tell most, a a lot of the time, not all the time, but most of the time you can tell. And usually you can tell because those kind of people are searching for that thing that they're missing. Or if they're not searching for it, they are, they're bitter about it instead. And it it really can go either way. So when you see someone out there that is, you know, wildly angry and disdainful of any sort of responsibility or organization or rules or society, what are they missing? 
Well, they're usually missing that father influence, that that father who was the judge, the rule maker, the the one that you had to follow the rules of his household. That's usually what those people are missing. Uh, and if you uh, you see someone out there who is like cold and callous and they're selfish to the extreme and they they seem like they don't have a heart or a soul and there's no there's no color in their life the, that person's usually missing that that mother's touch that they didn't get and it takes all of it to round you out and so what you have in society especially today you have a lot of people that are missing pieces of themselves that they they otherwise would have. And and a lot of people feel that, but they don't understand it. And they are they're searching for it in other people. And I notice this most in young boys. Uh young boys especially seem to be searching for for a father figure a lot of times. And they'll naturally gravitate toward the the archetype of the father that they're missing. And I'm sure I'm sure girls do the same. But uh I I don't know. I think that girls might be quieter about it than than young boys are. And I also think that in modern society there's far more missing fathers than there are missing mothers. And I think that's uh that's part of the reason why I've noticed it from my years of teaching, I usually notice it in young boys and not so much in the girls. And, uh, and I think about this in, in terms of like uh, pop culture and, uh, like a podcast and, and people, men, men who are popular with other young men, the, the way they talk, and what they talk about, and what they encourage. I'm not really talking about like celebrities and movies, really, but but pop culture icons that young men actually want to sit down and listen to. And who's the biggest one? Who's Who's the biggest name in young kind of, uh, not all adolescent, but like young men to middle aged men? Who do they want to listen to? Well, the number one podcast in the country is Joe Rogan and uh, other ones that are in the top, you know, that round out the top probably 50 to 100 are people like uh, Joe Rogan, Jordan Peterson, you know, Jocko Willink, Mike Rowe, uh, Bill Burr, Dave Chappelle, Dan Bongino, Ben Shapiro, Matt Walsh, uh, all these guys are podcasters and comedians and commentators, and and they talk about a lot of different things. They talk about philosophy. Uh, some of them talk about uh, politics. Some of them are all about leadership and self-improvement. Some of them are just kind of talking to everybody and discussing ideas. Uh, a lot of them are talking about fitness. Um, all these ways of thinking... And and contending with the world. That's what all these guys talk about. And that's why you see all these young men 
are gravitating towards them because this is a very masculine thing that a lot of young men hunger for. And it's it's not just young men that are like missing it already, but it's also young men that are already aware of it and they're listening to it because it feeds that existing masculine idea that's already in their mind. And uh, I mean, there's a reason they're so popular and it confuses the hell out of people who don't understand masculinity or these fatherly, you know, archetype qualities. They are confused by it. When, when Joe Rogan got in all the controversy during the COVID thing, which it turns out he was 100% right about all that. But if you remember back when, when he got in all the trouble and everybody was trying to cancel him, you had all these news stories and journalists and, and you know, blue-haired feminists and limp-wristed, you know, feminine men, you know, in the media asking, why is Joe Rogan so popular they, they couldn't figure it out. They can't understand. Well, this is why, dummies. Millions of young American men are missing a masculine influence in their lives. And a lot of them can feel it. Even if they can't articulate it, they can feel it. And maybe they don't have a dad. Maybe their dad isn't around. Maybe, maybe their dad didn't give them enough interaction and attention. Maybe they're, you know, maybe their dad's a neckbeard who has a Funko Pop collection and can't stop watching Marvel movies. Uh, whatever the reason, they understand that something is missing from their lives and they are searching for it in these people who have become very popular. Be but not all of them, of course. Uh, obviously, like you have a lot of young men who go the other way. Instead of searching for this thing that they're missing, they refuse it, they discard it, they hate it, they, they disdain it. Why is Joe Rogan so popular? He's such an idiot. You have these people that just hate it. And it's no wonder why they do. We have this culture that is actively encouraging young men to do that, to hate masculinity they tell them it's toxic and it's bad and it's awful, you know, especially if you're white. It's so bad. Uh, and what about moms? Uh, absent mothers aren't as prevalent as absent fathers for obvious reasons, but a lot of them are single. A lot of moms are divorced. A lot of moms uh, have kids whose father abandoned them. And what comes of that? Well, statistically, nothing great, you know, on a societal level, on an individual level. Sure, there's there's cases when, you know, a little boy or girl raised by only mom turns out to be perfectly well adjusted and successful. But that ain't the rule. That's the exception. And when you have a single mom, you know, for whatever reason, not only is the kid missing something uh, from the father, but he he's missing something from the mother too. All that that warmth, that heart, that compassion, that love that is the mother, that takes a hell of a hit when something happens with dad. Uh, 
often as not, it kind of sucks out that love and warmth from the mom. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. I, I know I'm getting into dangerous territory here, and I'm probably going to make some some women out there mad. But uh, it seems to be the truth by the by the numbers statistically, and just what I observe. Um, and if something messes with the mom's ability to live up to her kind of heroic mother that she's supposed to be, that's going to have negative effects on the kid too. You know, if dad isn't stepping up in his responsibility as a father, what is mom to do but be a little cold and bitter about that? Uh, it's hard to it's hard to blame her really with all the men in society that abandon, you know, the women. So you're starting to see the problem here. When when you blow up the traditional family, you hurt the kids. And when our culture incentivizes blowing up the traditional family, that makes it even worse. And there are groups that are that are actively and openly saying that they want to get rid of the traditional family. Uh, Black Lives Matter is one of these groups that openly says they want to destroy the traditional family. And uh, when that happens, you end up with a bunch of parentless kids who are being raised by neither mom nor dad, but usually by the Internet because all of them have smartphones. And this kind of dovetails nicely into, into this month's book study. Because this month you are supposed to be reading Lord of the Flies so that we can do a uh, so that we can do a little book study on it on the end of the month. And from where I am sitting, I feel like in the next 20 years, what you're going to see in society is uh, is basically Lord of the Flies with a Wi-Fi connection. Uh, and that doesn't look good. Um, Lord of the Flies with smartphones is not a good is not a good thing. The kids are stuck on an island all by themselves, not really literally, but some of them might as well be. And I've seen it for the past for the past five years teaching school. I have seen this. Some of these kids are lost and they are alone on this on this island that they themselves have created because their parents are not kind of living up to what they should. Uh, either they don't have parents or their parents can't pull their faces away from their own smartphones or, or from, you know, the football game long enough to talk to their kids about their grades, let alone stuff like morality and, and, world, and the world and ideas. Like, they can't even talk to their kids about how they're doing in school. And I know this for a fact because nobody ever asked – the the only people that come to uh, uh not the only but most people who come to parent teacher conferences are the people whose kids have A's and B's and a few C's. The people whose kids have D's and F's, they never even know it or care about it. If at if they ever do, it's the last couple few days of school and all of a sudden it's a problem. Well, it's been a problem all year, 
and you've been ignoring it all year, and you're just now noticing. Um, and, and nothing good is coming from that when we blow it up to scale on a societal level. And I'll probably talk more about this at length when I do an episode on the education system uh, because that one is coming. I I have that one. That one's going to be a long kind of, uh, I wouldn't say difficult, but that one's going to be a long detailed episode that's probably going to upset a lot of people. But uh, hell, last week I talked about abortion, so I've probably already alienated half of the people who would listen um, anyway, but, uh, I guess what I'm saying is the, uh, the kids are not all right. And that's something you guys need to know out there. If, if you're not plugged into the, to the high school system, to public education, if you don't have kids or if your kids are really young or if your kids are already grown, um, if you don't have kids that are in that kind of adolescent range right now, you might not know this. But uh, I'm telling you because I've seen it even in small town, you know, the reddest county in America, the kids are not all right. And it's going to be a problem. Uh, but I don't, I don't want to get into that yet. I'm going to save that for another episode. I'll leave you with this. If there's one thing that I can say with certainty... Uh, it's that this last thing, those, those kids aren't all right. And they're the, these problems are depression, apathy, laziness, heartlessness, you know, little to no respect for authority. Uh, and it's not all of them. Don't get me wrong. It's not all of them, but it is a lot more of them than you think or understand. Uh, we, we are treating them like adults in all the wrong ways, and we're treating them like children in all the wrong ways. We aren't holding them to account, and we aren't giving them anything to anchor themselves to. Uh, not nearly enough of them are being taught about responsibility, service, community, you know, duty, honor, excellence. And uh, again, I'm telling you, these kids are not all right. The good news is I think uh, some of them know it. And if they want to, they can fix themselves even if they don't have you know, that father and mother at home to help them. There are ways to fix yourself. The bad news is a lot of them don't know it at all. And they're being told that all those things like responsibility and morality and excellence and honor, all those things are, are antiquated and old and bad. The worst news of all is that some of them know it, but they just don't care. There's just so much apathy that they don't care to improve. And uh, we're at the 30-minute mark. This turned out longer than I thought it would. Um, so that's, that's where I'll leave you with this one. And you can, you can – what you can do, I guess, is, is dedicate yourself every day to being the father or mother you know you should be or being the child who is who's willing to learn – the way to do it once you grow. Uh, 
uh, or, or the grandmother or the grandfather who reminds your own children of how to walk in the world, of who they're supposed to be. Because there are a lot of mothers and fathers out there in, in my generation, the millennial generation, and I'll say men especially, who need to be reminded that they need to embody these masculine fatherly virtues or their kids are not going to their kids are going to be missing something there are way too many millennials and gen xers and and there's way too many young fathers out there who are still obsessed with Star Wars and Marvel movies and still living the life of a child. And if you're a grandparent out there and you see that in your own child who has children, if you see that in your son who has now become a father, you need to tell his ass to grow up. You need to tell his ass to put put those childish things away and become the masculine man that his son or daughter needs him to be. Uh, and that's probably not a pleasant conversation, but uh, I'm telling you as somebody in the millennial generation, that's a conversation that a lot of my peers need to be told by their, by their elders. Um, so that's where I'll leave you. That's all, folks. Uh, read Lord of the Flies or at least read a summary of it so you can kind of understand the big Lord of the Flies episode that we're going to have at the end of the month. I will catch you all later.